0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's now open the word of the Lord. And I want to read to you from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 1 to 8, and then chapter 5. Finally, brothers... We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life. Therefore he who rejects this instruction does not reject man but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And We'll continue reading chapter 5 verse 1 to the end 1 Thessalonians 5 where we read Now brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. But you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day will, should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to today, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For a God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, Encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This morning I want to preach God's word to you. As we read that in 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 23 and 24, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24, we'll read that again, and there we read of the word of the Lord, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we meet and greet each other, what better can we do than commend each other to God's care? Our circumstances, good or bad, can change. We ourselves can change. But God does not change at all. He is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. He is a faithful one on whom you you can always depend. Paul commends the Christians at Thessalonica to the God of Peace. A beautiful title. God of Peace. Peace characterises God. He brings about peace. Peace with himself. Peace with your neighbour. Peace with yourself. Peace with your surroundings. Harmony in all relationships. Then life can flourish again. Let's then have a closer look at the text. I've preached to you Paul's prayer for our sanctification. Paul's prayer for our sanctification and we'll consider three points. Firstly, the context of that prayer than the content of the, that prayer and the fulfilment of that prayer. Beloved, what led Paul to pray for our sanctification? The context of his prayer is his call to be holy. The call to holiness is a central theme of this letter. Think of what we read in chapter 4. There Paul starts in verse one, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. And now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Notice how Paul mentions that they are already living in a way pleasing to the Lord. These people have professed their faith. They have chosen a Christian lifestyle. Yet at the same time, Paul urges them to do this more and more. Once you have committed yourself to the Lord, you're not there yet. There needs to be further growth in that commitment and in that Christian life. You need to show that commitment more and more. Verse 3, Paul writes, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Verse 7 God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life. But what does this mean? To live a holy life? It means to live for the Lord to his glory. You are holy. That is your official status. God has set you apart For himself, think of your baptism. You belong to him. But now you must also live as a person belonging to him. By conducting yourself in such a way that it pleases your God. By leading a lifestyle that matches your holy God. As we read in scripture, be holy because I am holy. In Thessalonians 4 and 5, Paul shows what it means to be holy, to lead holy lives. Let me quote from chapter 5, verse 12. Respect those who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. Must you hold in the highest regard those who admonish you? No one likes to be admonished. You soon put your back up when someone addresses certain wrongs in your life. Maybe you know very well that what you're doing is wrong. But don't let anyone dare to say something about it. Others need to stay out of it. They need to mind their own business. People suggest. No one is allowed to interfere with my personal choices. Let alone admonish me for it. And if someone does do that, he or she is sooner disregarded than held in the highest regard. Yet Paul says... In the name of the Lord, hold in the highest regard those who lead you and admonish you in the Lord. Paul continues, live in peace with each other. Again, one of those difficult tasks. Yes, we are prepared to leave each other in peace. That fits our individualistic society when you have something against a person you just ignore that person but Paul says live in peace with each other and that's quite different that requires self-denial a conscious effort you are then prepared to do all you can to have things right so that the other person and you yourself can function optimally again. That is why Paul continues, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else and therefore you can't just ignore each other. Now you have something to offer for each other. Something, a building to say. You must take care of each other, help each other. This remains a touchy issue in our society. Who doesn't tend to fall short in this? What do we do towards those who we see drifting away from the Lord and his service? What do we do towards those who take on worldly patterns of life, sinful practices? Are we there on time to call them away from sin or do we just let them stray? What do we think? Let them sort it out themselves. I want to be left alone and I'll leave them alone as well. Paul continues with his admonitions. Verse 16 onwards. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies which you now have in the scriptures, with contempt. Test everything. Don't get carried away with everything that presents itself as Christian. Be discerning. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. In other words, be holy. Live holy lives. my brothers and sisters, are all those admonitions really necessary? Must we always keep coming with those demands? Don't we live under grace? And then it's not so important anymore how you live, is it? The main thing is, that you believe in the Lord Jesus, isn't it? And in this way you see people pulling faith and conduct apart. And that's how you get that terrible decline in Christian lifestyle. Almost everything seems to be acceptable. Don't talk about a Christian lifestyle. That's not so important, people tell you. That's a personal thing. As long as you believe. And yet, brothers and sisters, Paul speaks quite differently. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, he says. And God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Grace doesn't make you indifferent. Worldly. On the contrary, grace makes you live differently, gets you to live for the Lord. That new holy lifestyle is precisely a proof of God's grace. It shows that God has redeemed you. God sets free so that you can truly be free, free from a slavery of sin, Free from immorality, free from eternal destruction. God wants to see happy and thankful children who again live in a way pleasing to him. And that's why you have all those admonitions of Paul, ending with the words Avoid every kind of evil. Stay clear of evil sin pattern your life to the Lord in everything you say and do. And thus, beloved, you face a a difficult task, an impossible task for who's able to attain such holiness of ourselves? We are not able. And that is why Paul reaches out to heaven and praise for our sanctification. In our text, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And let's have a look at the content of that prayer. That's the second point. The apostle doesn't only come with admonitions. He also refers to him who gives strength to obey. Emphasis falls on God himself. May God himself sanctify you. Him we need. I urge you to do all sorts of things, but only through him will you be able to do it. To live holy lives, you depend on the God of peace. The God of peace. A wonderful title, as we mentioned earlier. God gives peace. Peace between himself and you. Peace with your neighbour. Peace with yourself. Harmony in all relationships. You return to your God, proper God-given place. You function at your best again. Life blossoms in the light of God's favour. Well, may the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May he make you holy. May he renew your life in his image so that you are again what you ought to be. God's masterpiece. And may he do this through and through. Not just in part, but completely, thoroughly, perfectly. The word Paul uses indicates that you reach the goal for which God made you. Beloved, from this prayer it is clear, that your sanctification is not something negative. It does not take away your joy in life. It doesn't make your life dull. It doesn't hinder your development. The opposite is true. Your sanctification means your true development and joy. After all, isn't it the God of peace who wants it And works it. The God who seeks and brings about true peace and harmony in life. And that is really the best for you. Over against that peace there is sin. The lack of harmony. Discord. Misery how greater it then is to know the God of peace and to let him sanctify you. It truly makes your life flourish again, even in the most difficult circumstances of life. Brothers and sisters, this sanctification is so important that Paul repeats his prayer in different words. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul emphasises that our whole being is involved. And thus he mentions spirit, soul and body. Not to teach us how we are constituted, that we would exist in those three parts. Let's not press Paul's words. He's busy praying. And he uses this graphic description to emphasize that sanctification applies to our whole being. Our whole being is to be holy. Not just a part of us. You can never say, God is for my heart, but what I do with my body is my business. Now everything belongs to the Lord. Must be dedicated to Him, also my body. God also wants to sanctify my body. He wants to make a temple of it. A temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants to be in charge of my whole person. Only then can you do full justice to yourself. Only then can your body answer its purpose. Be sound. Paul prays that our whole existence be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless. Well, that really is something. Free from blame and guilt. And that at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Among ourselves we can often think that we are quite okay. Okay. We can be quite satisfied with ourselves. There's not all too much that people can hold against us, we think. But how will this be when Christ returns on the judgment day? When the full light of God shines on us and through us? Will we be blameless? know that can't be true. For the more I get to know and understand God's word, the more I realise that I am sinful, fall short in many ways. My sanctification is only in part. And yet Paul speaks of being blameless and that before God. God keeps demanding the highest standard, perfection. We are not only to live good lives, we are to be blameless. But wouldn't that make you despair? For there's no way we can reach that standard. And yet it remains the goal that you must be blameless. Indeed, here on earth, you will never attain it. Here you only have a beginning of the new obedience. Here it is a matter of hating sin and fleeing from it more and more. Here it is a matter of praying and working, striving for perfection. But Paul lets us know that that goal will one day be achieved after this life. Then your sanctification will be complete for the full 100%. And then there will be no sin anymore, but perfect glory. What a prospect you may have as child of God. And then you'll be able to appear before Christ Without fear. Blameless. How come? This can only be clarified through your relationship with the Lord Jesus. You believe in Him, don't you? You seek your salvation outside of yourself. In Him. You belong to Him. And yet he wants to cover all your sins and weaknesses with his suffering and death. And then you'll be declared innocent, blameless. The judge, Jesus Christ, will be shown to be your saviour and substitute. Brothers and sisters, what can you do with this now? you're right in the middle of a struggle. A struggle to be holy. Don't we here and now face an impossible task? My life has to be attuned to the day of the Lord. Paul prayed for it. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. But what now? Well, Leave that to God, Paul says. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. That leads us to the third point, the fulfillment of Paul's prayer. God has to do it. And God will do it. He will hear the prayers of his saints. I can't build on my intentions or on my achievements. But I can build on God's faithfulness. The one who calls you is faithful. Yes, God enters your life as the one who calls you. He is constantly calling you, calling you out of the darkness into his wonderful light calling you away from those works of darkness to walk in the light. And that's how he's busy also now calling you. Well now, this God who's calling you is faithful. You can always depend on him. He fulfills his promises. He does what he says. And therefore he will do it. He doesn't only call, but he also shows that he's an active God. He does what he commands. He completes the work he has begun. What a wonderful comfort. Now you've been called to live holy lives. You may know what matters is ultimately Not my feeble hold on God, but his strong hold on me. His faithfulness. That's what I can build on. My life as Christian is firmly grounded in God's faithfulness. And that's why it will end right. Thanks to God who not only calls but also does it. God makes the impossible possible. That is the promise I may plead on. But beloved, doesn't this make it all very easy? If you can leave it to God, doesn't it make us passive? After all, if God does everything, what do I still have to do? you'll realise that this is not God's intention. God constantly warns against a false sense of security that you think you have arrived. You're a covenant child. You belong to God. Nothing can happen. Well, God indeed wants to take care of it, that you persevere, that you live holy lives. But that doesn't just happen automatically. Then you must indeed entrust yourself to God's promise. Then you must let God renew you. Then you must let the Lord go ahead in your life. Yes, that is what faith is all about. You let God go ahead in your life. When you truly believe in God, then you don't want to hinder God in any way. And then you don't walk in front of God with all your own initiatives. No, when you believe in Him, in His promise of sanctification, you follow His initiatives. You let yourself be led. And you let Him work in and through you. And then something really happens. Something changes. God's power becomes visible in your weakness. You start living holy lives. What you consider impossible starts becoming possible because you surrender yourself to your almighty and faithful God. And in this way it starts becoming possible to do what the apostle calls you to do. God's promise does not kill your own activity. It stimulates it. You start doing the will of God. Indeed, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it's not always easy to do what pleases the Lord. Especially not when people around you are acting differently are freely indulging in all sorts of sins. But don't let yourself be lured by their so-called freedom. Because in fact they're slaves. Slaves of sin. Christ wants to set you free. And don't say, it's impossible to do the will of God in our day and age focus on him who calls you. He is faithful. And he promised he will do it. Entrust yourself to his guidance. Let him do what he wants you to do. You don't have to do it in own strength. God wants to show his power in your life. And then it starts becoming possible to respond to Paul's call to live holy lives. All those admonitions of Paul now start coming within reach. Live at peace with each other. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Is this still totally impossible? When you focus on him who calls you, hasn't he promised that he would also do it? Follow him in faith. Simply do what he says. Let him renew you. Let him make your life beautiful with good works. And then Paul's prayer will ultimately be fulfilled. You will be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will go scot-free because you know the coming judge is your saviour. Allow me to conclude with the words of the poem Everything in Christ. This poem summarises The message of the text if I had to do it out of myself I never would get started if I had to struggle all by myself I never would get further if I had to make it just on my own I never would get finished but he has begun and he will continue and he will complete. Also for me his work of salvation he promised. Once a born loser, now more than victorious in Jesus alone. Glory to God. Amen.